Well, hello, Soma Blue Mountains in Penrith. This will be a quicker version of the sermon I did last Sunday uh, in the series Metaphors of the New Creation. Uh, <clears throat> my uh, sermon topic is on home as the metaphor of the new creation. So <clears throat> I thought it would be helpful to introduce uh, and talk about <clears throat> what we mean by new creation, since we're in a series on metaphors of the new creation. So just a real quick summary of what is the new creation? What are we speaking about biblically? It refers to three different aspects of the work of Christ. Uh, the first is a believer's ontological transformation. So that's a big word that basically means when someone becomes a Christian, they are transformed, individually speaking, uh, from a uh, old person in sin, in sin, in the flesh, to a new creation in Christ. So places like Galatians 6.15 and 2 Corinthians 5.17 speak to that of <clears throat> being a new creation. So the second thing we're talking about when we speak of the new creation, is the community of believers. And this is where scripture talks about how uh, in Christ we are made a new humanity. Uh, we're united together and we're a new creation in that sense. And that's another aspect of the new creation. <clears throat> and you see places like Ephesians 2.15 and Colossians 3.9 uh, where it speaks to that. And then the final aspect of the new creation, what we, what we mean, what we think about, what the Bible's meaning when it says new creation or when we are thinking about new creation is maybe the first thing that we, we think of, which is uh, the end times cosmological uh, uh, new heavens and new earth, uh, that, that part of the new creation. <clears throat> and you see this theme or this concept of new creation uh, develop all over the from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament even though the, the actual term new creation is only used two times in the New Testament <clears throat> so as we think of home today uh, <clears throat> being a metaphor of the new creation let us keep in mind that understanding of what we're referring to when we think about the new creation. So as we think about home, and as we hear about home, as I share with you, uh, think about what are the implications of how that affects uh, our personal transformation when we come into Christ, the transformation of the community, and then also the, the end times cosmological recreation and restoration of all things um, when God remakes the new heavens and the new earth. So those three aspects, how does home interact with that? <clears throat> I thought that might be helpful to think about as we begin. Let me pray briefly. Lord Jesus, I pray that your spirit would work uh, through this talk and that you would lead the way uh, in it, that you would honor your word and that it would work mightily for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, <clears throat> what is home? Uh, <clears throat> some some things that might help us think about home. Um, some characteristics of home it might be a place you belong. It might be a place that you you find shelter. It's it's somewhere you can go and you you know that there's security there. It's a place of safety. Often home is a place where you're known. Um, it's a place where your most intimate relationships are found. Whether that's good or bad. Um, and it's a, it's a place where you're always loved. Or at least those are some of the ideals of what we think of when we think of home. Some of the ways things should be or ought to be. And yet, all of us have different experiences of home. All of us could talk about places that we have once called home or uh, still call home. And <clears throat> there is this sense that in some way, uh, our sense of home has let us down to one degree or another. And um, that's, that's partly because in any home, there's people that are broken, that have sin in their lives, that, um, that aren't perfect. And um, some would even go as far as to say that when they think of home, it's a place of pain and brokenness. At best, our homes are beautiful shadows of our truest home, of the ideal. They, they're a, they're a, a faint glimpse at what things should be. And at worst, uh, our experiences of home are places we want to escape from. In thinking about home, I, I, as I reflected and studied and thought about this, I, I thought that you know what, I think to be human is to have this longing for home. This longing for home as it's meant to be. Deep within us as, as human beings. And as we look a little closer at scripture, we're going to look at John 14. So if you... Uh, have Bibles with you as you're looking at this. Maybe pause the video, open your Bible to John 14, and it's the first seven verses of 14. Let me uh, explain the context of John 14 to you. Uh, in chapter 13, we start to see this language. Jesus uh, is with his disciples, his closest followers, and they're having the Last Supper. Uh, this is the night that he's going to be betrayed. This is the night before he's going to stand trial. And so he starts to speak these languages. <laughs> he starts to he starts to speak uh, to his closest friends, his closest followers about he knows that his time is near, his time to depart. He knows that he's going to have to leave. And he's with his disciples. And he starts to explain that he's leaving. 
And he says these phrases like, where I'm going, you cannot come, but you will come later, but you cannot come now. He even tells Peter after Peter sort of argues with him and disagrees that he's going to leave. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And as he's saying these things, the disciples must have started to uh, have this uneasiness in their hearts. They must have begun to be troubled in their hearts. The man that they left everything for is now, he's now speaking of leaving and that they can't come with him. And, and there's this, this weightiness that must have been on them. And then we get to the beginning of chapter 14. And Jesus, knowing what they must be feeling, he begins to speak very compassionately, saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he speaks about the Father having a house with many rooms. And Jesus says he has to go away and prepare a place for them. Why does he, why does Jesus, on the brink of his departure, speak of this house, this home, this dwelling place that he goes to prepare, to make ready? And the, the, the thing that strikes me is how aware he is of uh, the troubled hearts and the the, tr the trouble that they must be experiencing and the, and as I was thinking about what this might be like uh, to, 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 to bring it home to us not home in the literal sense but um, yeah, think about the fact that uh, if you had a best friend that you had lived with and worked with and hung out with all the time and one day this friend calls you up and says hey can we get coffee and you go out and the friend begins to say very abruptly i'm gonna leave and you're not you're not gonna see me again you're not gonna see me for a long time i can't explain to you everything in detail right now but where i'm going you can't come and just like that and all of a sudden, there's this uneasiness, this troubledness in your heart as you hear this from your best friend. And Jesus knows that his <coughs> seemingly abrupt departure from his friends and the darkness surrounding those events would leave his closest friends feeling like Jesus is abandoning them. Maybe even concluding that God is abandoning them as Jesus leaves abruptly. And so he, he speaks to them. He wants to remind them. He, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Or trust, trust in God. Do you trust in God? Trust in me. And what's he saying? He's saying, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not abandoning you. He's reminding them and telling them that they have a place. There's a place for them. 
They have a home. This is what Jesus speaks of. This home. He says, the Father's house. He says, he's saying essentially, you have a place there. There's, there's more than enough room for you. There's many rooms. There's many dwelling places. But this place is not here. It's where the Father is. And almost all scholars agree that he's speaking of heaven here. The dwelling place of God. And Jesus tells them that he must go away so that they can be together. So how does, how does him leaving, how is he going to prepare a place for them? What, what is he going to do? Is he going to build a building? Or, you know, what, what's Jesus referring to when he says, I'm, I'm, I have to go away, and in going away, I'm preparing a place for you. Well, listen to what the Bible says elsewhere about this. He says, it says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Listen to what it says elsewhere in Galatians 4. But when the the set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that he, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're God's child, he's also made you an heir. And so here we, we hear from these scriptures that Jesus prepared the way for you and I to come to the Father. And that he prepared the way for the disciples to come to the Father. He made that way open to all of us by suffering, by sacrifice by going to the cross as a substitute for us. And now, if we trust in Jesus as our Savior, as the only way to the Father, He sends His Spirit into our hearts. He makes us alive as we trust in Him. He adopts us. You see the language in Galatians 4. When we're part of the same home, we're part of the same family. So, when Jesus saves us, he, when Jesus went in sacrifice, in substitution, he had to go away to suffer. He had to go to the cross to suffer so that he can bring us to God. So that's what he does when he saves us. He brings us to God. And we have a family. We have a father. You see the great exchange here? Don't, don't miss the beauty and the wonder of this great exchange. The one who had a perfect home with the Father, Jesus, left his home so that those who are far away might be brought home to the Father. 
The one who had a home left his home so that those without a home could be brought to the Father to have a home. The Son left the comfort of the Father's presence and suffered discomfort and death so that many could become sons and daughters who experience the blissful comfort of the Father's presence. How beautiful are those words. It reminds us of how the, the psalmist just abounds with, with praise and with exuberance. As he says in Psalm 84, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. There is a deep longing, you hear it in those words, and thirst in our souls that only is met in the presence of God. It's only satisfied when we're in God's presence. Jesus says to his disciples back in John 14, he says, you know the way home. And they say, we don't, Lord. How do we know? We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? He says, yes, you do. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You see, the people in our homes are the people we know, right? The people that you live with, the people that are in your home, you know them. They know you. We're in relationship with them. And God's intention for saving you and I and adopting us into his family, for giving us a place in his home, was so that we can know him. Not just know about him. God didn't send Jesus to give his life for you just to get you into heaven so that you can have nothing to do with God. God saved you so that you can know him. Now, as well as in heaven. You see, a home where we, a heaven where we have nothing to do with God is not the kind of home that we long for. So do you know him? Do you know him today? Put your faith and trust in Jesus and begin knowing God now. John Piper, a pastor and author, asks the same kind of, he, he makes the same point by asking these questions. He says, would you be satisfied to go to heaven and have everybody there in your family that you want to there have all the health and restoration of your prime and everything you disliked about yourself fixed? 
and have every recreation you've ever dreamed of available to you and have infinity resources of money to spend? Would you be satisfied if God was not there? Just let that question sink in. Heaven is a home because God is there. I remember a friend once asked me, what do you long for beneath all of the, all of the other pursuits of your life? It was a good question. It was a question to remind me of what is my deepest longing? We lose our way, don't we? We get distracted. Our hearts lead us astray. It reminds me that God is the good shepherd that goes after the lost sheep. That when we've wandered away, he pursues us. It reminds me that God is like the father in the in the story of the prodigal son with love in his heart looking on the horizon for the the lost son waiting for a glimpse that he might run after to bring him home once again where are you as you listen to this are you at home with the Father in here as you await your home with the Father? Have you lost your way? Have you forgotten where home is? Where you belong? There is a way back home for you. Jesus, with his arms stretched wide, picture him on the cross. He sees you. He sees you where you are. He says, I'm the way. I've laid down my life for you. Trust me. I'm the way home. And to keep things brief, I will summarize what it looks like for us to keep longing for home. How do we keep remembering where we belong? And I just encourage you to go read Hebrews 11, where we see story after story of those who, through faith, were awaiting the promises of God. And they kept trusting in God, even though they didn't see those things fulfilled. And then... The writer of Hebrews turns to his audience after he's told story after story of these men and women of faith. He turns to his audience and he says, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud, let us throw off anything that would hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith.
let us consider him. Consider Jesus as you hear this. Consider Jesus who modeled for us what it looked like to be apart from his home, away from the Father, and yet tethered to the Father. We see him going away into the solitude to be with the Father. As I was preparing for this sermon, I had a long drive and I spent time praying and just giving things over to the Lord in my anxiety, in my stress, and just giving things over to Him. And that's just a simple picture of what it looks like to turn to the Father, to turn to the Lord, to connect again with where our home is. The fullness of our home with God is not here presently. It is in heaven. But there is also a sense in which he comes to us and he makes his home with us, as it says more about that in John 14, where it says he puts those that believe and trust in him, he puts his spirit in us and makes his home in us. And so while it's not a complete picture of our home yet, it is a foretaste of the union and the participation in the Spirit, in the, in the Trinitarian relationship of, of God. Paul describes it like we're looking through a glass dimly right now, but one day we will see him face to face. That's when we'll be fully home. And so I pray that this talk reminds you that we have a home in God through trusting in Jesus. And that, that home starts now. For those that are trusting in Jesus, that have begun to have that home now, we also have a future home with the Father in heaven, in the new creation that we are awaiting. And we can be confident in the promise of God for us to that end. Thank you.